0: Miss Macintosh, my darling, chapter seventy-six, part two, last part. For whenever, in the lush or frozen meadows, topped by blowing lights upon a shelf above the mirroring waters in daylight or in darkness, she gave herself to a salesman, dry, withered, sad, the broom salesman, the lock of key salesman, the lime salesman. Each man and each man, even the featherweight falling from the sky, light as mash an and feather, the sorrowing the unrealized she would hear the ghostly notes of old piano players their fumbling fingers upon the black keyboard in the white the hemispheres cracking like an egg the birth the death of love unrealized and would be distracted sullen deafened turning and turning in her head which roared with a personal and impersonal sadness echoes of echoes it would feel no sensation of the opposite sex because of there being none and would see her feel her sense around her in the heavenly and threaded air out of the reach of her numb still unforgiving hands the children of that weightless past that weighty future, all stillborn, yesterday, tomorrow, her innocent, light-colored, fair-haired innumerable children, robed, bloodless, who hovered at the ivory gates between life and death, obstacles, obstructions, mean hearts, good children, little policemen with funeral wreaths, little window-peepers with blinded eyes, little thieves casting no shadow where the shadows blew immense as sailboats, all stillborn all watching her act of intercourse with smiles and wide applause and wreaths as if they were her triumph as if they were her creation as if they were her doubt why not for they were hers she supposed her rogue children light as light invisible as air veined with light some growing they were hers she had done nothing she could swear to prevent them or abort them or remove them or cause them pain or cause them memory of her indeed she had always claimed them as hers even when nothing was born so far as she could see even when the ejaculation of the male organ had fallen upon the empty air upon a wild hedge rosebud at some distance from her she had claimed that that had been conceived what had been born besides as her womb had increased something must have been born in most cases and she had seen it the moth the hand the finger whatever it was sometimes it was shocking but she had been careful about her results of her crowded pregnancy even though afterwards forgetful coming upon some forgotten stillbirth and careless too Inasmuch as her heart was bitterly big and leaking like the sky, she just did not know the numbers. Never yet, however, she could be sure had there been a preventative measure used to still her womb's miscarriages. And it all happened as it must have happened. Nothing that stood between her and the pale conception. Nothing between conception and giving birth to muted life, to other little salesmen. No rubber corporation, or no Wall Street corporation, or no abyss, no cliff, no obstacle of any kind, no defect, no defect of hers, no veil, no web, no passage, no human hand, no reluctance, no lack of flesh, no sigh, no cry, no withdrawal of the penis like a wild blind fish gasping in cool grass, no withdrawal ever, no accusation, no smoke. But yet she did think, to be purely honest, that her many, many stillborn children should not have been hoveringly present in bunches and clusters. During each memory haunted sexual intercourse with strangers and near or distant ejaculations falling like snow upon a hedge. They should not always have been there, peeping, cheeping. They should not always have watched their absurd mother with wide-eyed innocence and smiles and clapping hands when she gave herself to a new frightened salesman in the meadow of the old cart road, where only a farmer passed. They should not have scraped like those bare twigs in the winds of everlasting winter, her mother's soul. Indeed, she had always been genuinely afraid that they might disturb the salesmen as much as they disturbed her. But what could she do to prevent them? she asked, yawning. She was helpless, after all. Their stillborn mother, she guessed. How could she prevent them if they wanted to come locking the gates? Some are quite old, aged, wrinkled. Some could almost speak. Some look like salesmen. How could she prevent them from looking down on her with wide-eyed innocence and wreaths and smiles and doubts? Old men like old cherubim with bald flat heads and pot bellies and winged penises, which had nowhere to go, nowhere else to go. The future fathers gasped too soon. It was wrong, she knew, wrong and bad. It was wrong, she knew, that a child should be obtrusive in the human atmosphere. But there was just no way she could think of to prevent its coming, think though she might. Always her livid, tortured breasts were swelling, but would the child help? If she had been able, feeling better, not pregnant, only doubtful, she would never have let a child's mean, innocent present in the act of vulgar sexual intercourse, which was a mystery, a child looking upon down upon her rain-stained thighs and semi-nakedness and tortured breasts, but yet, as she was unable to swat a dragonfly or call for help, a child was always hoveringly present, obtrusive, alarming, setting the alarm, watching at the ivory gates between her life and her life, closing her womb with its small brown hand, warped and driven. She would feel that small brown hand moving over her stealing her life by it she was pummeled beaten driven that was why indeed when having intercourse she turned and turned her head distracted moaning her throat filled with church bells not because of the salesman but because of it she reacted so that a salesman would be nervous too wondering what the trouble was she had tried to get rid of the dead child that came in the human atmosphere what was the use she had tried but she could not get rid of the dead child that she supposed must have been one of hers some early child a child pulling at her wild disheveled hair disheveled hair snatching her ball by slow degrees pinching her breasts her earlobes biting arguing silently or in order to create a new disturbance rustling among the fallen gilded leaves that fell in sign whenever there was sexual intercourse she should not have been so happy if it had not been for this it was only a small annoyance certainly and nothing to tell the police or even the undertaker it could not be prevented it came during sexual intercourse and stayed for days afterwards. It was like having one baby over and over again. It was probably why her heart leaped, too, why her spinal column curved, why her womb would open where no one was, where no one was, and then, when there was someone present, close, close, close. For all she knew. So being so blissful in her empty-handed sadness, so happy, this it was that she could not always concentrate upon the selfish salesman and other men. But even so. Her sense of pity was enormous, and even if she could have, she would not have struck back at the shadowy embryos, but would have struck at the living men, the sterile fathers. Some such way had been hers. She had been always so kind to the salesmen, to the customers, and to the old doctor. They had not always been kind to her. How could she really protect herself from assaults as delicate as these of her stillborn, her faded embryos? But why should she? For she was maternal and unsatisfied, and all things pleased her when she looked back. All things pleased her immeasurably. Her waistline pleased her, for it was a sign of her fruitfulness. A big, dumb, mulish waitress, squint-eyed, smiling, loosely knit, unrealized, wishing only for children. Why she should be persecuted for disposing of children who, in some cases, were not born. There seemed no fairness to organized labor, to birth, to ridiculous human love. Her children were snowflakes drifting in eternity, where leaves were tears, as she reasoned. It would be better to face trial for mass infants. And fantasy then for the murder of only one whose fleshy body she had been certain of whose cry she had always heard that was as she reasoned it which one of course she could not tell the bigger the trial was the better she guessed and anyhow she did not care too much what might happen for she was instinct and she was clouded and she was drifting did a river know where its bend was even if she had wanted to bear perjury against herself how could she without lying how not be uncertain about her past, so that it would be all blurred to her and to the jury as she stood revealed, wearing wedding-rings upon her nipples, but not upon her fingers, carrying, miscarrying, emitting a shining cobweb, the moon upon the waters, the wind, nothing, 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 crutch. Though the mystified waxen detective was threatening her with exposure if she did not produce his living children, she still might win, might find an answer to satisfy him as if he were any other dying father. time was on her side. The silence had already re- answered her, falling like snow, so why should it not answer his waxen ear? Why should he be so vain? Anyhow, if the jury was satisfied that she did not kill his children, he would be disappointed. For which reason, he had better not come threatening her with his legal suit, which he was going to press. He would be happier in his ignorance than in his wisdom. As to the silence, everyone was answered sooner or later by the silence. So why press the suit, the legal suit? Why put the creases into it? The silence had already accused her, so she knew what she was talking about stillborn accused her and they grew in her eyes and she was alone the answer was like a question their answer like a question stared her in the face each night making her toss and turn get up and walk the floor nurse her fist bite her fingernails listen to a clock ticking even had there been no sterile detective and no evidence but a clock and the cold starlight and a bowl of sour cream upon the windowsill and a long gold hair in her sleeping hand whose hair she often wondered She would have been persecuted in her own mind, faced with questions. She was guilty of some kind of crime. It was not her fault, her neck throbbing at night, seeming to be filled with church bells, ashes in her mouth, so many pains. And the cross was growing too in her womb, the doctor said, and she was pregnant always with a dream of consequences. As to this detective who had no fire to light her, he had not had anything to do with her condition, was no more than a mistaken father. Her own heavy weight was what tired her now, and the men were out of her life. She might have needed his proof, but he did not need hers. What right she asked had he to involve her in his marriage to a wife she had never seen, and had he to disturb her peace, looking among the marsh pools, looking under the wet leaves, and under the rotted logs? Of course, she was like everybody else, guilty. if he came to prove that she had killed something, he might find that he had been right because he had been wrong, for true, she had killed something else, had stepped on an ant's hill, had stepped on a bird's egg, she supposed he would hold all this against her if he ever found out he was that kind of detective, always winning. With no evidence but starlight and water, he might prove that she had killed something. If there was no body, he could prove that there was no body. He could prove that he was not the father, but that she had killed children other than his. Or that his children were those she had killed. For she had described them in different ways, often changing her mind, and sometimes even their sexes. Now why did she say that they were growing? Maybe she had wanted him to come to find out for her just what had happened to his children. Searching this wild this wide landscape when it was covered with gauze what might he not find the evidence of birth of other children hers not his so that it would be proved that she had been right and then she would be blamed imprisoned for life behind bars waiting hearing the little voices so mean and shrill all would be as it was now unchanged she being behind bars instead of behind a counter everyone knowing that she had been pregnant for all should see the evidence that it was not a tumor but a body that there were facts in the case a mule's eye a mule's ear a funeral wreath of purple flowers a shining web a birds ovary the bald spot growing the swollen nipples milky as the Milky Way of many stars perennial tears the ossified bones the enlarged birth ring the sterility the fruit the thorax the bladder the ear the labia menorah the labia majora the flying penis the gold hair the lost music the lost echo of the lost chord and who should deny her past experience she would be pleased immeasurably and not discouraged by so much mortal evidence in a long long sentence the more evidence produced the better for her as she was always saying and if it was a long sentence she might be pregnant always as she now thought she had heard of a girl who was made pregnant by the police in a jail anyhow she was not really so puzzled as she seemed nor so smiling as she seemed maybe it was true that she had put her head into a silvery hornet's nest the minute she was born just as her mother always said and that fools rush in where angels fear to tread at last however whatever was true she did not care stupidly smiling among the friendly hornets laughing behind her livid hands until her body shook as clouds rustled she did not care what was true there were several months ahead of her several minutes besides even if she was to go on trial in the autumn of the year as promised so much could still happen between now and then a spirit making delay and being to its own flesh untrue not because she had chosen it this way but because a man had abandoned her she had meanwhile her work her common sense her happiness this puzzle What could be found could be found, the silver key, the gold key, the entrance, the exit to her large body, which was many-doored and many-windowed. She did believe, with one light burning even now, so small a light that only she might know it. What could not be found could not be found by others. What could not be found could perhaps be found by her, Mr Longtree, the best detective in the infinite, the best detective accompanied by little voices trilling in her ear. She was always knitting and unraveling the black hood for one, Would be born as white as melting snow the hood was the hood of night she kept her fingers busy even at night and that was good and the days were better her life was always the same here bound by routine which she had herself conceived she was wild wilder than people thought running in the wind galloping mad she ran even though heavy falling the wind when she wanted to some might call her life monotonous and so it was but also her life was beautiful and wild and void an empty coffin on the water the marriage of the spirit with the water with the wind she could not go out of doors without finding something to prove it, some new birth always approaching her, especially at dawn or twilight this was so, walking with her head hanging forward, her eyes half closed, she saw the evidence, the evidence, the membrane like a shimmering bridal veil hanging from barren trees, the mucus floating, the web, the stain, the spit, the fingers, the toes, the pieces of tissue, the pale gold light streaked with grey in the cloud, the river winding, the barge room. she must have been mystical for there was always presences. She would stumble forward in the trumpeting wind, shielding her face, her eyes, for there were these presences, tweaks, twitches, scratches, bites, pinches, barbed wires, fences. Someone was always spitting into her face, pinching, biting, though whoever was annoying her could not have known how kind she was or could not have done it. But even if it had been a dead child tugging at her, she knew that it was her life, her evidence, the birth veils hanging from the trees with the umbilical cords, the pools, the afterbursts, the flower faces, the mist creeping over the ground, the ripple of the water where a little foot had stepped. Only yesterday she had seen it all, so what was she counting on if they pressed the lawsuit was the vastness of the evidence. For it was hers, and it was cosmical, the doctor said, and she hoped for safety in numbers, for mists, stars, leaves, snowflakes, clouds, flowers, faces, memories. That was why she would almost welcome the trial, why she counted on it like her pregnancy, her stomach protruding pear-shaped with thought. Of course, she would not really welcome it. But what was very strange, strange to her, was that, with all her experience, she had never yet been shot at by the rosy boy in the clouds, by Cupid, the blind god of love. Yet she had been so loving always, but Cupid, the rosy god of love, had missed his shot if he had taken a shot at her. Though how he could have missed her, she could not imagine, she being so big, as big as a boxcar, moving slowly on a grassy track among the sunflowers at a far horizon in distant twilight, sunflowers gleaming like little suns. She moved slowly through lost worlds, Esther longtree. How could Cupid have missed her, yet broken her big, heavy heart? It was a small, sad question, dripping light rain from the sky. Why had she been missed by love? Cupid's darts had missed her heart on a wide horizon, but her heart had been broken, and her heart had not been broken by love. And how could this puzzle be, considering that she was loving? Her heart had been broken by experience, she answered, smiling, smiling. She had heard the answers. Yet if ever she perchance died in childbirth there would be no lover dark or fair following her hearse up the ragged hillside unless by accident some sick stranger followed and there might even be no child if it happened that the birth had been false she did not exactly care now for she would not know about it being pregnant somewhere else things were very uncertain very beautiful veiled shrouded and she was clearing her throat as she spoke with the blurred sound of church bells in the rain no one should mourn for her she would never be sorry for a life of harsh experience "'of any stillbirths, for she was trying to make good, "'and she was getting even with her mother, too. "'Foolish mother. "'That was the important point. "'Her bedroom, so big, so messy, "'more like a stable than a bedroom, "'was crowded with lovebirds, cages, cupids, virgins. her bed that was big enough for three, "'an empty baby cradle with gold bars. "'There was bread upon the windowsill, "'moldy bread or soured cream. "'There were children's clothes hidden in boxes. "'Still, what did it all mean?' she wondered. "'All the evidence in the wide world "'might still point to nothing.' Drifting like a cloud of a silver lining, and no evidence m- might involve her in a single suit just as well, depending on her point of view, for she could not judge the dividing line. Who had not murdered whom, sometimes with no instrument but a feeble cry, a cry like scraping winter branches on the other shore? She had tried to kill herself. Who had not, as she often asked herself? Who had not killed Cock Robin among the fallen autumn leaves, or on a clear crystal day when nothing fell? When all was still is an everlasting silent heart. That is, if a heart was silent always. If there was a heart, it must, have been, it must have beaten once, she said. If a heart was ever a heart, it could not be always silent, but would weaken her in drizzling night a second heart. A second heart. Who is accusing whom and why and when and where? She might accuse herself or others of the, or the stars. The stars, the stars, the starlight. What twin accused his twin, who he had murdered, that he had murdered him instead? Problems like that she could almost understand. Having two hearts. Such great sympathy, such great regret for a little mistake of hers. She had made a little mistake when she was still in her mother's womb. She had already committed a murder, infanticide, had murdered her twin by kicking it out early, too early. And should she not be accused of this criminal action too, so early in her life? She had always regretted it. She hoped it would be mentioned at the trial. She hoped that the trial would be as grand as an unborn murderer and an unborn victim, nature being so grand and nobody knowing who the other person was because of the mist. She had been murdered, too, by a feeble cry, by the wings of a kingfisher, by a woodpecker, by the red haw falling into a dark stream, by starlight, by doubt, doubt, doubt. Why should she go on talking? Because she was pregnant, that was why, and there were older fetuses than this, and someone had hurt her feelings." Her raped face accused, accused, smiled, smiled. Someone was always kicking at her. Yes, she was taken by motion all of a sudden, as if the baby might come during working hours. She wrung her hands and she weaved on her feet, and she walked back and forth. No, it was a false alarm, she could tell. The shadow foot was moving, the little shadow swimmer lost in waters, was swimming around Cape Horn. Or maybe he had got to Capricorn, she guessed, her body swinging like a pendulum as if her hour had struck. But it was nothing. It was another false alarm, she guessed smiling crookedly, waving even a silver spoon in the air, eating sugar. There was nothing on the floor under her where she looked to see, only a dried moth that had been there before, only some sawdust. It had not happened yet, the lovely birth, but this condition of palpable expectation was largely a lie, even if the school trustees, who would now be the jury, had not fired her on false charges, that she had ruched her earlobes, and was too kind, and was a dumb mule with protruding eyes and a thick tongue and lonesomeness she still would have quit her job teaching a b's and c's out of a rain-stained book teaching underwater. why also she might decide to quit this bright cheerful restaurant where the customers reminded her of something bad why also she might forsake both the hemisphere both the hemispheres if she was driven to the fence for she was only going to answer her own questions not those of the black robe jury and she was tired of all the men of all the fathers